0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba, helping you find happiness and joy on your homesteading journey. Today is Friday, September 2nd, and this is episode number 17. We're going to be talking about composting today. This is one of my favorite topics. I feel like I could go on and on about composting, and I may do a few different episodes about composting because I think it's simple but there can be a lot to it as well. So we're going to start with some of the basics. What is composting? What makes up composting? How you can maybe compost at home if you choose. Uh, Some of my experiences with composting, because trust me, I have done it wrong so many ways for a few years now. So we'll start with what is composting? I like to think of composting as nature's fertilizer. Essentially, it's decomposted plant and food waste and also recycled organic material like dead leaves, cardboard, shredded paper. I love it so much because not only does it reduce your waste, it is estimated that one third of the waste that goes into American's trash can every you know, whenever you take a trash out, so your trash bag, one-third of what is in your trash bag is at least, one-third of it is compostable, something that you can essentially reuse and provide something amazing in return. So how awesome would that be to reduce your waste by a third, throw away one-third less of your trash every single day, every week, every month, every year, as well as close the loop with permaculture. If you listen to my permaculture 101 episode previously, we talk about how it's a design science and part of that design science is closing the loop on a lot of things. That can be energy, but one of the biggest ones I think that's easiest to explain is the loop related to gardening and composting. So if you like to garden, maybe you just have a small garden, maybe you just have a flower bed, whatever it may be, hopefully you have an actual garden where you're growing something you eat, whether that's tomatoes, peppers, herbs, whatever it is, what you'll do is you'll bring whatever you're growing from outside, inside, and the odds are whatever you're growing outside has some kind of waste you're going to produce whether that's the skin on the onion that you don't really use when you're cooking. Maybe it's the inside of the bell pepper or the little green tops on the tomatoes that you don't necessarily use. Maybe you're one of those people that hates the inside of the tomato, so you kind of squeeze some of that out. So the odds are as you're cooking, you're producing some waste. A lot of times that will just go in the trash for everybody. But instead, what if you could compost that, take it back outside, mix it with the right ratio of carbon and nitrogen, and produce an organic, powerful fertilizer on your own for no money that you can then put back into your garden. So even if you're growing cut flowers and you bring your flowers inside, they look beautiful at some point, they're going to die. They're going to kind of get shrivelly, maybe browned up, whatever it may be, droopy. And you don't want the flowers inside anymore. Instead of throwing those flowers away, put them in your compost pile. And the things you cook with, put them in your compost pile. And that essentially closes the loop. The waste you're producing from your garden is now being returned back to the garden eventually. It may take a little while, but that's okay. So we'll move in. We talked a little bit about what composting, and composting is and why I love it. So we're going to get a little deep into, well, we, we know what composting is, but what is it really? You know, you could buy bags of it from the store, you know, but what actually makes up that compost? So essentially, it is the right ratio of carbon or browns and nitrogen which is your greens. So I like to think of it the browns are dried up leaves, branches, small twigs, shredded paper, shredded cardboard. All of the carbon is really dry by itself. Completely kind of dry, takes up space is what it's supposed to do in the compost. Then you have your nitrogen which is the which are those greens. Those greens are kitchen scraps. I already mentioned parts of the vegetables that you don't eat. This can also be leftovers. Maybe you get super ambitious and you want to eat that meal five times in a row, but after the fourth time, you kind of are sick of it and you don't want it anymore. Or maybe it spoiled faster than you thought it was going to and it smells kind of funny by the fifth day, fourth day, whatever it may be that's when you can compost it instead of throwing that away in the trash. Or if you open something up from the store, maybe you'd let it sit too long or you just bought it from the store like that and it's moldy and there's no way to save it, put in your compost. Don't throw it away, put in your compost. So nitrogen not only can be the kitchen scraps and like leftovers that you don't get to, whatever that may be, it can also be your yard waste. So your grass clippings can be composted coffee grounds if you're a big coffee drinker that can go in your compost the important thing not to put in your compost is meat or dairy and I know you might be thinking well she's a vegan it makes sense why she doesn't put meat or dairy in her compost pile but everybody across the board that does composting recommends that you do not put meat or dairy into your compost and they say it that way because meat and dairy as it starts to break down a lot of the times it will start to smell and that smell is going to attract more bugs and more critters than just the inside of a bell pepper that if you leave on your counter isn't really going to stink so bad but if you leave a piece of chicken out it's gonna start to stink and attract a lot of bugs that maybe you don't want in the house. So essentially, your compost pile should be vegan. No meat, no dairy. And then you might be wondering, what can I do with the meat or dairy? I guess you could throw it away. You could figure out how to use the scraps. Maybe save some of it, put it in the freezer, the meat anyway, for a bone broth later, you save the bones and everything. So there are ways to be creative if you're trying to figure out how to reduce your meat and dairy waste. I'm just not super familiar with ways to do that because I started down this path of composting and sort of minimalism mixed with reducing my waste after I'd already gone vegan. So If you would like to do something with your dairy or meat, do not put in your compost, but I would look up Google what you can do with that to reduce that waste. When you decide to throw away anything that is compostable, so your yard waste, coffee grounds, kitchen scraps, leftovers, whatever it may be, you decide to put them in the trash. Whether you Consciously or unconsciously decide that maybe you forgot that you had a compost pile because you're so new to this, you just threw it away. Maybe you did it on purpose. Whatever the reason may be that you're putting it into the garbage, maybe it's just habits from what you learned growing up. If you weren't familiar with composting and around it, those compostables do not break down the same way in a landfill landfill as they will in a compost pile in a landfill they're going to take a lot longer to actually break down because they're not being nature is not taking its course if that makes sense in a landfill in a landfill it's a place for all this trash and your compostables actually are going to in a landfill produce a bunch of greenhouse gases and i know for some people Global warming may be controversial, but I know for a fact that I don't want to release extra greenhouse gases, whether it's causing global warming or not, I can't see how that's beneficial for the environment to release a whole bunch of methane and all these other gases because I threw away my kitchen scraps instead of putting them in some compost. So we talked about what kind of makes up, you need to have your carbon or browns and your nitrogen And your nitrogen or the greens in a compost pile, but there is a right ratio of that in order to make compost, so you need about two thirds of the carbon to make the right ratio to create compost. On top of that, it also needs to have the right moisture level, so it needs to be damp. And But it can't be sopping wet. You need to be able to pick up some of your compost. I always do this with gloves on. I do not do it barehanded. You need to be able to pick up some of your compost, whether it's fully composted or not. Pick up a handful and squeeze it. And you should not get a ton of water coming out of there. You should get one to two drops, maybe, coming out of that handful that you just squeezed. So that's the basis of composting. So I'm going to go into briefly how you can compost in your home. Maybe you're inspired and you think this is a great idea because either you don't like buying fertilizer because it's expensive. Maybe you want to reduce your waste. Maybe you really love permaculture and want to close the loop. There are a lot of different ways to compost. You can buy what they call like a tumbler or a composting Bucket or bin that you can keep inside. A lot of the tumblers are meant to go outside. I think that's a very controlled way to do composting, and there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to make sure that your carbon and nitrogen ratio is correct, that you're actually tumbling it, you're aerating that compost, and that the moisture level is right, and boom, you'll get compost as easy as that. But you may not want to buy these tumblers or the bins you can keep inside because they can get kind of pricey. You can also put your compost on the ground, just on the ground somewhere in your yard. I recommend for it to be not somewhere way in the back corner where you're never going to go to your compost pile and you're going to either forget to put stuff in there or forget to check the moisture levels or forget to turn it. So I would put it somewhere near your house near where you're going to see it every day and go, oh, let me go check my compost pile. And let me take care of it. Let me turn it. Let me add moisture, take away moisture, whatever I need to do, add more of this or that to it. By putting it on the ground, you then get earthworms that can come up from the soil into your compost pile and help you break down that compost faster. One of the drawbacks to just having it out in the open is it depends on your climate. You really have to keep a better eye on that moisture level, I think. At least from what I've been doing with composting, you just kind of have to keep on the moisture level to make sure if it's out in the beating sun and you haven't gotten rain in two weeks, you're gonna have to moisten up the compost pile every now and again. If you get tons of rain, I know I've mentioned this in a few episodes, where I live, the county I live in gets on average 90 inches of rain a year. So I kind of go from where my compost pile, which is not covered, which is something I'll talk about later. It goes from being sopping wet to really dry because then we won't get rain for a week, two weeks, three weeks. So you can put your compost pile on the ground. You can also compost just leaves. Maybe saving your kitchen scraps is a little out of your comfort zone, not something you're interested in, but instead of bagging your leaves up, And putting them in plastic and then giving them to someone else to deal with, you can keep them in a big pile and let them break down. You can then, by the time spring and summer rolls around, use those leaves, especially if you use a lawnmower to mulch them up. You can use that as a mulch in your garden to help suppress weeds and give vital nutrients back into your soil in your garden. So I think that's brilliant right there. Because honestly, when you bag up your leaves and either a random stranger picks them up for you from the city or the county, or if you have to drop your leaves off somewhere at the city or the county, where do they really take those leaves? What are they doing with those leaves? Do you know? I don't know. And I tried to call and ask the city that I live near Because I wanted to see if I could take some of the bags off their hands to add to the compost pile at my home and the compost pile at the community garden. So I let them know I was with the community garden and I would love to come pick up some of the bags of leaves that they might be getting. And I was told that they, right now it's the summer, they don't really get a lot of bags of leaves in the summer. And when they do get bags, they just dispose of them whatever that means. I didn't really get a clear answer as to what that means, disposing of them. So composting leaves, really, really great way to start. That I would say, if you're just composting leaves by themselves, you can totally put those in a back corner somewhere in your yard. I would just turn it every now and again, when you remember that can kind of sit unattended and nature will take its course and it'll do its thing. So another way that you can compost if you're really excited about this is called vermicompost. And this is where you basically keep almost a colony of worms in your house essentially it's better I think if it's in your house you can put them in a bin with a lid. Of course you have to have holes in there you don't want them to suffocate. And then you put that bin. You can put it under your sink if you'd like, wherever works best for you. If you want it out in the open, you can put it out in the open. So the vermicompost, essentially, instead of worrying about adding the right ratio of browns to greens with moisture, you have to provide some browns, shredded cardboard, shredded paper, things like that, for the worms to live in. So you provide them with that. You keep it kind of damp because that's essentially what the soil is, kind of damp. And then you will feed the worms your kitchen scraps, your leftovers. I've done a little bit of research into vermicomposting. I've read some things where they don't really like garlic skins, things like that. So if you want to vermicompost, I highly recommend that you look a lot of it up before you just buy the worms and say, okay, I'm doing it. I would look up how do you sift the compost out of their bedding with them. I kind of get skeeved out by worms. I'm hoping I'll like grow out of it maybe one day. But something about the slimy, I'm not sure. I don't do well with slugs, with snails, frogs, toads snakes none of that is not my friend I do not want to touch them so that's one of the reasons I do not have vermicompost in my house because to me it's would be a literal nightmare if the bin got knocked over somehow and there were worms all over my house it would be bad I could put gloves on I I get that but still that is not something I want to encounter at any point So not that your bin will fall over if you decide to vermicompost, but I always think of like the worst case scenario and worms, I just don't like them enough to keep them in my house and feed them and take care of them. So something else that you can do if you want to compost, but maybe you don't want to do compost outside on your own, some cities or counties will have programs for composting. There are some places in the United States and other countries where you can put out your compostables in a separate container, like your garbage is in one container, your recycling is in another container, and your compost is in a third container, and they will take your compost. Will they bring you compost back or not? I'm not sure. I think it depends on the program you're participating in. So not only can that be a city program, That can also be, there are private companies out there that will, you can register and they will come take your compost away for you, your compostables from the kitchen. They will take it away and I think they will bring you compost for a small fee, which I think is amazing. Unfortunately, I live kind of rural, so I already looked those programs up and they do not pick up from my location and deliver it, but depending where you live, they might. There's also, besides having local businesses or the city or the county that may partake in composting, there's a local farm by me that actually will compost your kitchen scraps for you. So if you bring a five-gallon bucket, you don't have to fill the five-gallon bucket. You can put whatever, however much you want in the five-gallon bucket, drop it off at their farm whenever you want. Doesn't matter. They've got a spot where you drop it off and they have clean five gallon buckets that you can take in exchange. And they will then compost what you have in that five gallon bucket for you. Now, you do not, at least on this farm, you do not get to come pick up the compost, but you're helping the farm create more compost to add nutrients to their soil while you're also reducing your waste, so I think that's a little bit of a win-win. They're actually a berry farm. And I think that's really, really cool. So now what if you don't have a local program with a farm or the city or the county or the company? A business will not come take your compost, compostables for you. You can do it yourself at home if you'd like, but you can also be the change you can be the one to put the bug in the right people's ears maybe you don't have the space to compost at your house but maybe someone you work with does and you tell them look I'll bring my compostables I'll set up the compost whatever we need there if you just turn it every once in a while and then we'll have compost So you be the change. If you want to see your city, your county, try to start some kind of program like this, talk to them, let them know this is a priority. This is something that you want. Work with local businesses that are already eco-minded. Maybe some of them would be willing to take on a small community-based compost pile. If you have a master gardener's club, things like that in your area, Talk with them. Maybe they already have a compost pile that you don't know about that you can contribute your compostables to. So, if this is something you are passionate about and that you love, do it however you have to do it. So, I know I'm working on my outside compost pile, but there is a park, actually, two, I know of three different locations in the city. So, I live out in the county, but I have to drive into the city to go to work and sometimes i walk my dog downtown where i live so i will make sure i take my compostable sometimes with me and put it into these composting systems that were already set up and maintained one of them is maintained by a church one is maintained by the master gardeners group another is maintained by the community garden so when my compost pile wasn't really working out great for me, that's what I was doing was taking my bags of compost to their compost piles. And that is something that maybe you can do or you can help set up. I helped build the compost piles, the compost bins at the community garden and they were just pallets screwed together. I think it was seven pallets that we made three different bins sort of out of pallet wood. We didn't break down the pallets at all. We literally just stood the pallets up on their side and screwed them together. It was super simple and you can find pallets for free. Like I have hauled more pallets than I care to talk about in my Prius. I think the number is well over 50, more like 75 pallets that I have squeezed into my Prius. Not all at once. It is a Prius. I could fit about four pallets in my Prius. But that's amazing. A free way to make a compost pile that you can either have at your house or you can create within your community and have other people help you compost. Spread the word about composting. I think if you are interested in composting, it's worth doing something on your own, but maybe it's already gardening season for you and you just want to buy some compost. There are local businesses, hopefully, in your area that you can buy compost from. There are companies, usually it's the companies that sell mulch by the ton and dirt by the ton. A lot of times they'll have a compost as well that they can come drop right off at your door. You can also buy compost from big box stores like Lowe's and Home Depot that come in the plastic bags. This year, I did buy some compost from Lowe's because I did not have time to get my pile up and running before it was gardening season. What I will say with the store-bought compost and even sometimes the ones you get from the big companies that will sell you dirt and mulch as well, is that they may be a little too hot. So the idea behind composting is you have the right ratio of carbon and nitrogen, and it's moist enough. And as it's decomposing, that pile actually heats up. Like it gets really hot, especially big places that provide to Lowe's and that provide to companies that can drop it off by the truckload. Those are huge compost piles. And so that means they get really, really, really hot. And sometimes if they're too hot and you put that down in your garden and you plant directly into it, it might kill your plants, which is really sad. And that definitely happened to me this year. I will also say having to get your compost delivered uses, you know, gas, oil, things like that, and picking them up from the store in bags creates all this plastic bag waste that you then have to get rid of. So I definitely prefer the method of trying to make your own or contributing to a local farm with their composting or contributing to the community gardens, compost, whatever maybe you have around you. So my experience so far with composting, I will say at the moment, I have not had a successful compost pile that I've seen. And I know here I am talking about compost, how much I love compost. I know a lot about compost and I haven't had a successful pile. You might be thinking, well, I'm not going to try then. That is not the right solution. So I'm going to walk you through some of the mistakes that I've made in the past. So you don't repeat those and you don't have to spend as much time as I've spent learning from my mistakes. So I've Googled a lot. I've researched a lot about composting. I'm a little too cheap to buy a tumbler I would love to experiment with a tumbler and see how it goes I've heard good things about the tumblers I've also heard good things about vermicomposting but yet again me not really liking worms I don't want that in my house so my solution has been to put it out on the ground so I first started probably about a year year and a half ago I was getting free five gallon buckets sometimes 1 gallon, 2 gallon, 3 gallon, anywhere in that range between 1 and a 5 gallon buckets from local bakeries and a lot of times it came with the lid. And I was thinking to myself I could use these to plant plants in. That would be cool. But I could also maybe turn these into my own version of a tumbler. You know, like a free version of making a compost tumbler. How cool would that be? So uh, a few things I did wrong. I did not, the first couple of bins, create enough air holes. There was almost none if and there were a few buckets I actually forgot to put any air holes in. <laughs> so then all it was doing was being trapped, basically, this rotting food, even though it was only fruits and vegetables. But this rotting food is being trapped in this plastic container being heated up by the sun. So I would open up the lid and it would stink horribly, partly because there was no air holes. (laughs) And partly it's another part of the issue I had with these small containers. I could never really figure out how to get the right ratio of carbon and nitrogen in a one gallon bucket. I feel like it has to be a lot of carbon and not a lot of nitrogen. And my issue is I was producing a good amount of kitchen waste and I wanted to put that all in the one gallon bucket and I didn't care what the ratio was. So that also led to it stinking. And with me having sometimes no air holes, that was not good. Other times I had really tiny air holes that would not let the worms in, but let nasty things in like all these flies and everything else. So then I lift the lid off and the flies come out in my face and it still smells. And I would get really frustrating. I also would forget to turn the buckets because there was no, it's not a tumbler where you go out and just spin a handle and it moves around and aerates it. I would have to go out, make sure the lid is secure, grab it by the handle, shake it really, really well, kind of turn it upside down a few times and hope that that uh, tumbled it enough. And I would say sometimes I would never do that. And other times I would do it uh, once at uh, like a month, which is not enough for that small of a container but I was really stubborn. So I just kept going with that method over and over and over again. Eventually I made bigger air holes and eventually I shifted away from the little one gallon containers and moved up to the four and five gallons. So I can actually get a good amount of kitchen scraps in there instead of just a little like pinch of kitchen scraps. So it got better as it went along. I moved a few times in there so the compost, I actually left my sister with my bins of compost and New Bern, And what she was showing me on FaceTime, it looked like it did good in one or two of my containers by the end of that experiment. But that was still not a very high success rate <laughs> for my troubles that I was having with these bins. So on top of that, I've got, I've tried it at my new property outside on the ground. My issue I've been having is I had a few containers because I still wanted to try the container thing here, probably about January, February. I tried that till about May or June, wasn't really working out right, even with the bigger air holes. And I was turning it more often and I was checking the moisture level, still wasn't working the way I wanted it to. So I just took those, dumped them right into a big pile, added some shredded paper. And kind of didn't touch it for a while because it stunk, it was full of bugs, and I didn't even want to think about it anymore. So I would say do not do that. Do not start them in little containers, let them stink and get full of bugs, and then try to save it by putting them out in a big pile. So that's been one of my struggles there with the outside pile. And I also think I need some kind of a tarp over there so I have more control over the moisture levels. I would also love to get my hands on leaves. Thankfully, I have trees on this property and I plan on raking up all the leaves and keeping them in a big pile so I can use throughout the year in my compost pile. I think that's going to help things as well speed up with my composting. I do take some of my, compost, my compostables downtown in the local community compost piles that are out there. That's another option too, but I really would love to create the compost on my property so I can benefit from all the, you know, the waste that I'm essentially producing. I will say a quick note, something you can do with your compostables. So I've got a little bucket that says compost on, it's really cute, it has a lid. And kind of as I'm going, I add things as I'm cooking. So every two, three, maybe four days, it kind of gets a little full and I could take it out somewhere. But if you don't want to do that, you can take if you're cooking with onion and garlic and tomatoes and peppers and you've got some kitchen scraps. If you just go out into your garden, move some of that dirt away, you know, dig it up. If you've got mulch, move back all the mulch Put those compostables in the ground, cover it back up with dirt if it's just dirt or with mulch. And those earthworms and everything else that lives in your soil will eat that for you. And if you take it out fresh when you're done cooking, it's not going to stink. Your garden's not going to smell like rotting food because it will break down and it'll do it fast. There are so many beneficial things. That you can put in your soil. Like banana peels are amazing to put in your soil. So, if you don't want to have a compost pile, that is a completely different solution, sort of the same, sort of different. You're just adding the compost directly, adding the compostables directly into the soil to let it get broken down. So, there are many, many ways to compost. I may have to do another episode on other things. I'm realizing now that I missed a bullet here that you can also compost manure if you have animals on your property. So if you have horses, cows, pigs, chicken, whatever that may be, you can compost their waste and it actually will really help your compost pile. So I will go on a tangent here. Until you get familiar with composting, you should not Should not compost your dog's waste, your cat's waste, or your waste in with your regular compost that's going to go in your garden. There's a lot of reasons for that. Part of that is the diseases that sometimes your canine may have, that you may have. And if you compost it, either you, if you compost it either the wrong way or you put it in your garden, it wasn't fully composted. It could lead to diseases in your fruits and vegetables. I think composting human manure, basically human manure, um, is a whole separate topic. We could talk about composting toilets probably for a good half an hour to 45 minutes. I do not have a composting toilet, but it is something I have done a lot of research on because I'm really, really interested in it. But I also know that I need to figure out composting a good system on my property with the regular kitchen scraps before I start composting my pet's waste or my waste as well. So I think that's a good tangent starting point here. There are people that will take manure or compost or compost manure mix and they'll make something called compost tea out of it. So basically, they take a mesh bag full of manure or compost or a mix they steep it in water and then not only can they take that compost out later put it on their garden in their garden they can then water their garden with that water because it has taken on a lot of the nutrients so that's a really cool side note another thing that people do with chickens is they'll make essentially this chicken tractor system so if you're not familiar with what i'm kind of talking about it's their chicken hutch and you've got an enclosed area for them so they're kind of free range but kind of not free range they don't get to run free on all of your property they're kind of in this little area the idea behind a chicken tractor is you can move it around so your chickens can be on all different spots in your property so they're not staying in the same however big of a spot you have over and over and over and over again so they can scratch and dig and eat the bugs and do what they do what chickens do all throughout your property so there are people that have these like essentially chicken tractor systems that they get composting out of that so what they'll do is they'll feed their chickens all their kitchen scraps They'll feed the chickens the parts of the bell pepper, the banana peels, things like that. Throw them out for the chickens to eat. The chickens will eat that. You throw out their hay and bedding and everything too. And the chickens will slowly start to decompose. They'll eat all that food and they'll poop out all the good nutrients. And you combine that. You can. Some people just put that out as it is as compost, but you can combine that with some broken down hay, broken down straw, mix that in with your regular compost. There's so much you can do with that. So if I ever have chickens on my property, that is something I would love to do. Now I know I'm vegan, so that might be a controversial topic here with having animals, but I won't eat the animals. I would love to help farm sanctuaries. So farm sanctuaries, I've mentioned them in previous episodes, but a farm sanctuary is essentially a safe place for farmed animals to go because you do not want a pig, a cow, a donkey, whatever it may be, a llama, alpaca. You do not want them at the shelter. There's no room for them. They don't know how to care for them. They don't know what those animals eat. They I have heard horror stories of the people at the animal shelter. They're doing their best with what they have, but they'll be feeding the pigs dog food. And that is not what a pig is supposed to eat at all is dog food. And it can make them really sick. So essentially these farm sanctuaries, not only will they pick up the animals that maybe should have been in the, they're in the shelter's possession, but they're going to stay on the farm sanctuary temporarily but farm sanctuaries will pick up from all different types of cases. Hoarding cases where people just have so many animals on their property that the animals get really sick and start dying. That's when a farm sanctuary will step in and try to help remove some of those animals and try to heal them if possible. There are so many stories I can share about the different ways farm sanctuaries get animals. So one of the craziest ways is The pork that you buy at the store, a lot of times what they do when the piglet, the pigs are babies, like a few days old, a week or two old, they will remove those babies from their mom, which we're not going to go down that rabbit hole either, but they take the babies away from their parents, from their mom specifically, load them up in a truck. Like we're talking semi-truck pigs packed on top of each other. And transported to essentially a finishing house where they make them grow fat and they kill them before they're six months old. That's the pork industry. I won't go down that rabbit hole yet, I promise, but sometimes those little piglets will fall off the truck somehow. And sure, maybe the truck driver doesn't notice, but maybe he does and he doesn't care because he's on a timeline. You know, he's got to get somewhere with his cargo. So then what happens to those little baby pigs that have fallen off the truck? That's where a farm sanctuary comes in. So farm sanctuaries are amazing. I went completely down a rabbit hole here. I would love to adopt animals from farm sanctuaries. So not every farm sanctuary will let you adopt an animal. Some of them will though, because there are so many cases out there horrible cases that will break your heart that there's not enough space for these farm sanctuaries to take all of these animals so they need, sometimes, certain farm sanctuaries, they need people to step up that have the land, that have the property, that want to take care of these animals and not raise them for slaughter, but to treat them like your cat and dog, to love them and take care of them and feed them well and give them the best quality of life they can. Sometimes the farm sanctuaries need help. And that's what I would love to do, is if a farm sanctuary takes a flock of relatively healthy chickens but they're getting all these cases for more really sick chickens that they know they could help i would love to be able to have the property to get in touch with those farm sanctuaries and say hey i've been vegan for this many years i will not eat your chickens i will take care of them and i will love them can i please adopt them from you so you can continue to help and save chickens in the future and i will give these chickens the best quality of life that i can So that's my perspective on owning farm animals. I love all animals. I really love farm animals. So I would love to have them one day, but I do not want to go to Tractor Supply and buy the chicks that are there. That is not my thing. I do not want chicks sent in the mail to me. That is not what I want either. You might be thinking, well, if I adopt some chickens, that's going to give me a surplus of eggs. What am I going to do with all those eggs being vegan? So chickens will go down this rabbit hole further in another episode. I've got to wrap up here. We're getting close to time. But chickens, when they produce one egg, it reduces a crazy amount of volume in their bone, a crazy amount of calcium in their bones, producing just one egg. And some of these chickens produce eggs every single day, not because it's natural, but because we have bred them to be that way. And so these chickens don't live very long because it's not natural for them to produce eggs every single day. It's the breeds that we buy. It's the breeds that we use that produce that way. So when these chickens are being depleted of that much calcium i don't have the percentage off top of my head but i will throw it in another episode when these chickens are producing the eggs all that calcium is going into the shell it's not great for them and chickens are one of the breeds one of the species of animals they will eat the eggs in a freaking heartbeat they'll eat it they'll eat it raw they'll eat it scrambled doesn't matter Chickens are also one of those species where if they're unhappy and where they're staying, maybe they're in a really cramped and place, whatever it may be. Maybe they feel like they're not getting enough food or they're not getting along. Chickens will resort to cannibalism if they're pissed off and not happy. How often does that happen? I've never owned chickens, so I can't give you the exact numbers on that, but I read a lot of... Books about raising chickens. And that was one of the things that kind of came up casually. And I'm like, oh, wow, chickens are weird. So what I would love to do if I have chickens on my property and get this surplus of eggs is to feed them back to the chickens, not to be disgusting and turn them into cannibals, but so they can replenish the calcium in their body. And this is a legitimate thing that other people do. It's not just something random I came up with off the top of my head, I promise, So I've gone down a rabbit hole enough. I talked about all the different ways. We talked about what is composting. Think of it as nature's fertilizer. It's a mix of carbon, which is your browns, nitrogen, which is your greens. You want that ratio to be two-thirds carbon, one-third nitrogen. It needs to be moist. It needs to be damp. Damp enough where you can squeeze it and you get maybe a drop or two of water. But you don't want it sopping wet. So browns are literally that. Your leaves, twigs, branches, shredded paper, cardboard. Greens are your yard waste, coffee grounds, and kitchen scraps. Do not compost your meat or dairy. You can compost in many, many, many different ways, whether you buy some type of tumbler or a bin. You can compost just your leaves. You can get a vermicompost, which is all those worms. You can put it right on the ground, your compost pile. You can see if there's local places that'll take compost, maybe a local business that'll take it, maybe your county or city, a farm, whatever it may be. You can buy it from the store or from other companies that will sell it to you by the truckload. So, my experience, we're working on it. And once I come up with a successful way to compost in my backyard, my side yard, I would love to do a video to walk everybody through what that looks like. So, I love compost so much because it helps reduce your waste. It's an estimated, it is estimated that one-third of the waste Americans produce is compostable. And when compostables get thrown in the trash, they do not turn into compost. They break down eventually, and in the process, they release a lot of greenhouse gases. So, there are so many benefits to composting besides just reducing waste. They close the loop with permaculture. They give back what you're taking from nature. Is that return of surplus in permaculture is what makes composting so amazing. So, I hope from this episode you're not put off with composting and all that it is because in essence it's very simple. It's a simple idea. It's simple to do, and I hope you're willing to try to do something, whether that's getting involved with some kind of business or a farm. Maybe that's buying a Tumblr. I'm sure you could find some on Facebook Marketplace for pretty cheap. So there's lots of different ways that you can participate in composting. You just have to be creative and think of what works best for you and your family, because that's what it's all about. It shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be a thorn in your side. If it is, you need to rethink how you're doing it because there's a lot of different ways to do it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would love to do more about composting because clearly I think this is my longest episode so far. I am super passionate about it. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and stay tuned every Monday, Wednesday and Friday for more amazing content.